It comes from there. It's the comet you see in the sky right now. Passes over the Earth every six years and causes a portal right here. But when it's open, we get a visitor from a distant galaxy. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen. It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis, aka TV's Travis. This is episode number 228 and we are in week two of Cage of Palooza 2023, our yearly celebration of the wonderful Nick Cage. So I brought back from the Nerd Nest, Bill, you were on, I think the first or second Cage of Palooza, if I remember correctly. I don't know which one it was, but we watched a horror movie uh, where like his daughter disappears, if if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that one I really liked. Yeah, it was called Pay the Ghost. Well, this week uh, we decided to watch a movie from 2020. Neither one of us had seen before called Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> yep, and uh, yes, we did. So the elevator pitch for this movie, if you haven't heard of it before, and um, I would not be surprised if you hadn't heard of it, uh, is... There is a comet that flies past Earth every six years, and from that comet comes an alien warrior who fights jujitsu masters, and that's very loosely used, uh, for the fate of humanity, I guess. I didn't, all right, we're, we're just going to start off with, <laughs> this is not a good movie. <laughs> it is. And, uh, and I, I have to take some ownership here, because... You know, he asked me what, you know, do you have any ideas? And he actually gave us two ideas and I <laughs> ignored those two ideas. And I said, what about this? <laughs> and, you know, I didn't say no. I mean, I hadn't seen it either. And it's one of the, like, the thing I love about Nicolas Cage is he can do some amazing work and he can be in some amazing films. He's an Oscar winner. He's been in some just fantastic movies. And then he can do stuff like this where Mm -hmm. it's clearly somebody offered him a bunch of money and he's like, I've always wanted to do a martial arts movie. Sure. Why not? (laughs) Um, And so he does it reportedly. He was now this is a rumor, so I don't know for sure, but reportedly he was paid $5 million to make this movie. Uh, The movie's total budget was 25 million. So that tells you a little something. Um, And he would work. He was on set for three days out of the five week shoot. I can't so, say I blame him. I mean, that's I mean, a that's, hell of a deal. <laughs> that's that's a hell of a deal. It's efficiency. That's some good, you know, that's how you buy action comics. Number one in mint condition. Like that's how you afford that is <laughs> you, <laughs> you, do right. three, you, you do three days on jujitsu uh, where you weren't even the first choice. That I think is the funniest part of this. Like oh. he was not the first choice for that role. You, I, I could give you 10 guesses and you probably wouldn't get who it is. Who, who do you think really? would have been the first choice to play the role of Wiley, the weird, like kind of supposed to be crazy old man in this whole scenario, which I have my, uh, I have my thoughts on that. But who do you think if you had a guess? Uh, quickly, there's no time. Uh, Liam Neeson. Ooh, not a bad guess, but no. Okay. No. Um, okay. I'll give you one more, one more guess. Uh, uh, Harrison Ford. 
also not a terrible guess, but uh, <laughs> no, the the first person, the the one that the director wanted, and apparently he sent the script to this guy, loved the script, and then never responded. Um, Bruce Willis. But Bruce Willis Wait, was uh, also. When, what in year did this movie come out? Twenty twenty. And he okay. was in the midst of a three-picture contract with like Movie Pass for some of the direct-to-video stuff he was doing. And so he couldn't do it, and he just never got back to him. So they ended up going with Nicolas Cage, who who went for it. Um, but I could – I think Bruce Willis fits more for the twist that they try to pull right at the end of the movie. Okay, um, yeah. But here's my problem with, with this movie. Well, okay, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> but a big problem is you have Nicolas Cage. And it and he's supposed to be playing the like crazy but slightly wizened old man. He mm-hmm. doesn't look that old. I mean, he's in his late fifties, I think close to sixty by now. But he doesn't look like he's, you know, just this aged, you know, aged old man. And he doesn't it's Nick Cage and he doesn't get to go crazy. He doesn't get to cage out. And he should yeah. have. That that was missing. Like he was crazier in uh, Face Off that I talked about last week. Uh, but like, what was his screen Magnet. time in this movie? Because it was he was very little. He was he was almost not in it. Uh, I mean, he was only on set for three days. He's pro- he doesn't show up for like forty five minutes. Uh, has a scene or two, and then is kind of forgotten about, and then he just sort <laughs> of comes back for a scene and then they're just like, well, you can't come any further with us. So just stay here. Like they don't right. even give a good reason for him not to go at the end. And then he shows up right at the end. So he has like four right. scenes. It's pro- probably 20 minutes of screen time, but at no point does he do like the Nick cage thing, right? He doesn't ever get super loud. He doesn't start screaming at people. Like I kept waiting for that to happen and it never did. And I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity for it. He's fighting an alien. Like <laughs> at some with a, you know, he's fighting an alien with a sword. At some point, he should have done that, but he didn't. Um, and yet, still, for my money, the most compelling uh, character and performance in the entire movie. Which, granted, not a I'm high gonna, bar to clear. I'm going to disagree with you. Um, oh, okay, all right. I don't remember. I don't know what his name is. He was in My Name Is Earl, um, mm. uh, uh, and he was the. Um, he was basically. Uh, Jason Lee's wife's boyfriend, uh, if that yes. makes sense. Uh, and he was in this, and he was hilarious in every single scene that we saw him in. I absolutely loved him. He was my favorite part of this movie. <laughs> I do wish so I remembered his name. Uh, it's Eddie Steeples is okay. the actor. Uh, he played Tex. He was the interpreter. Um, he, interpreter he was in quotes. Yeah, in in large quotes. He was he was funny, especially at the end when he's drinking. Like he's just like, I'll take that. And the like he he does not understand the old woman at all in anything she says. He catches like one or two words, but that's it. Um, mm-hmm. He was funny. I just like so the the main uh, the lead in this movie is um, Elaine. I think is how you would pronounce it. Uh, Moosey. Uh, Okay. I'm going to go with that. I have no idea. Uh, as Jake. And he, are you familiar with Scott Adkins? Um, that name maybe. Refresh my face? memory. 
he is kind of your direct to video martial arts sort of guy for the last 10 or 15 years. He's shown up in some mainstream stuff, but always as kind of like a, a goon or a thug. He was in, he was in John Wick chapter four. If you saw that, he was the guy in the big fat suit. I haven't seen that yet, but he is a phenomenal, phenomenal martial artist and has gotten better as an actor. Um, I will say that. Uh, but he's definitely like, if you are into martial arts films at all, anything in the last 15 years or so he's, he's been in, um, mm-hmm. this guy that played Jake here reminded me of like the poor man's version of Scott Atkins. In well, I mean, they only had a budget of 25 million, so they got to go with the poor man's version of everything. It's true. <laughs> Especially when they spend one fifth of their, their, <laughs> their money on uh, 20 minutes of Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah. Um, he just, the, the main guy was just wooden as all hell. Like he was boring. He didn't bring anything and the character was nothing either. Like the character was, he had amnesia, which is a terrible trope in, uh, Mm -hmm. in action movies anyway. And so you, you layer that on top of the fact that as an actor, like he wasn't, I hate like slagging on actors because it's not an easy profession and they got to make money. He just felt like he didn't get enough time to do any like acting. And he was just there. He was, he was more of a stunt man that had lines than anything else. And and I think personally, I I don't blame the actor for this because the writing, the writing is terrible. Um, like really bad. Like my wife, because my wife has sat down and watched it. I tried to get her to come on the show with us. Uh, she wasn't having it though. Um, she said, uh, how did she phrase it? She said it was like a 12 year old watched predator and then wanted to recreate it in their backyard. And I was like, yeah, that's it. Um, that's how, that's I what the lo- writing was like. I love the fact she said that because my first note when watching this movie was based on that opening bit, somebody saw predator and said, I can do that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was exactly what I felt was was that to a t that is i love that she picked up on that um i had another one somewhere along the line where i'm uh i think i my other note was like more shitty predator vision because it was like a weak version of like where the predator vision was they used an actual thermal camera but there was Mm -hmm. there was like reasoning behind it and you you learn more about it as you go this was like some sort of vision but apparently a specific cloth or material can block it (laughs) Yeah, I guess. And uh, and as soon as you put it on, everything disappears. It doesn't matter how long the cloth is. Yep. Like if you're you can you can't see the boots either. The boots can't see sticking the boots. out of the bottom. of the, You can't see them. Uh, you can't see the arms. None of them had sleeves. And yet their yeah. arms would disappear, too. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I, but where did they get that stuff from? Did the did the I'm just going to call it the predator because that's what I'm going to call it. Um, did yeah. the predator like show up? And they're like, all right, um, if I'm going to come back here every six years and I'm going to fight somebody, here's the stuff you need to be able to defeat me. Like, <laughs> is that what happened? Because at, at one point, I think it was Nicolas Cage, he goes, that's why you've got the jujitsu. And I was like, what does that mean? I don't. I, <laughs> they kept saying that phrase. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't think those words mean what you think they mean because right. <laughs> like there was, I, I, they got to a scene in the woods towards the end of the movie with one of the like 
unnamed characters that didn't show up until an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. And then suddenly he's there and I'm like, okay, so these two guys are dying. And, and sure enough, he was like the only one that had a jujitsu based fight with the alien. Like there were actual arm bars and, and grappling and all of this and like things that I would recognize as jujitsu outside of that. It wasn't even in the movie. So that cracked me up a lot. Um, Oh man, I just, the writing for this and I'm, I'm putting writing in quotes because it felt like, like somebody did sort of, you know, like the, the, um, uh, improv, uh, idea of like, yes. And, oh yeah. It felt like that in a script form. Like they, they wrote the blurb for what they wanted the concept of the movie. Cause honestly, the con like the, the core concept of an alien fighting humans for whatever reason, not terrible as far as like cheesy B sci-fi movies go. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard much worse, but it's like they wrote that out and they were just like, okay, yes. And a fight scene. Yes. And a fight scene. And that was their script. And that's all they had because the dialogue is mostly terrible, but the, the scenes don't make sense from scene to scene either. And that's not, not at all. Like, like what's the army doing there and what purpose do they serve? We're not really sure, but I guess something to do with radiation. Yeah. Like the the army Intel lady who was really bad Uh, and I'm not blaming her. I'm blaming the writing. Uh, but the, the, the army Intel lady, like she was like, you know about the radiation and they do, you know, (laughs) Mr. I can't remember stuff is like, what are you talking about? Uh, I have (laughs) a, you know, I, I just got stitched up. I got pulled out of the water by, why was Nick Cage on that boat, by the way? Uh, like, they don't reasons? explain that. Like, he, no. he's hanging out with this old woman uh, on a boat. He pulls him out of the water. And then the ladies, and then Nick Cage disappears. Yep. The, the lady stitches him up and delivers him to the army. And uh, she's like, you know about the radiation. And he's like, I don't know anything. It's like, you know how you said that they did the yes and thing? Mm-hmm. The, after After you do that... If it's not improv, after you do that, you should do a yeah, but (laughs) what about this at the end Uh, so that you can like fix all of the plot holes? Because there was just so much about this that made absolutely zero sense. I still enjoyed it, though. (laughs) Here's like the other thing is it's got the hallmark of it's a B movie and it was never going to be anything but a B movie. And that's fine. Like the director of this his previous film was uh, and the director's name is Dimitri uh, Logothetis. His previous movie was a sequel to Jean-Claude Van Damme's 1987 movie kickboxer that he made in 2016. Oh, wait, called kickboxer vengeance. Okay. I'm guessing not with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, No, Van Damme's in it. Um, Oh, get out of town. Okay, I have to. So watch he that produced now. that. He okay. I'm sorry. He directed Retaliation. So the first one he he uh, produced and I think maybe wrote Vengeance, and then Retaliation was 2018. So another kickboxer one, also starring the same um, main character as this. The cover, the the poster for Kickboxer Retaliation makes me want to watch it for no other reason than it's got Jean Claude Van Damme in it on the cover, Mike Tyson is in the movie. He has, he must, okay. must have a cameo. It's probably another one of those walk on. I was here for a day and 
Uh, I see on the poster the um, uh, Hapthor Bjornsson, the mountain from Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Uh, is on the cover, uh, or is on the poster, and he's just a mountain of a human being. So seeing him in a movie is always fun because he's, I mean, he's all of six foot eight and like 370 pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. Getting to watch him in a fight scene would be great. And that's kickboxer retaliation. So that's what the guy made before he did this movie. So like this movie was a B movie from the start, which is fine. I have no problem with that. It had some of the hallmarks of that, like the comic book in- panel inspired kind of interstitials. Yeah. Were, oh, well, we didn't really know how to make a transition from that last scene to this one. So we'll just draw a couple of panels. And meanwhile, over here, it felt like there was there was a lot of scene missing and a lot of transitions missing and just sort of almost like concepts were written down, but no story was ever really thought out. Nobody thought about how does this work from A to B to C to D? Instead, they just sort of, well, let's film it and see what happens because they're throwing in plot points left and right. Nick Cage's character is revealed to be the main character's dad at the end right. of the movie. Out of Inexplicably. nowhere. Inexplicably. <laughs> and completely inexplicably. Um, the uh, What was with the band of um, people that were with Jake? Like, you had Frank Grillo, who... Frank Grillo is one of those characters, and maybe it's because he played Crossbones in uh, the MCU, but I never right. trust him when I see him in a movie. He's got a look uh, about yeah, him. Yeah, like I can he's, see that. He's just got that 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 type of face where you're just waiting for him to do the heel turn, and like, like John Bernthal, a little bit like that, yeah. Or yeah. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is another one who, like, you never fully trust when you see him in a movie because ever since Silence of the Lambs, you're just like, no, he's like eventually he's going to turn and try to eat somebody, and I I'm just waiting for that <laughs> to happen. And so it's like right. that's Frank Grillo, and Frank Grillo's character in this movie basically spends the entire time just saying either Jake or this was your plan. And like right, trying right. to fill in, it's that trying to fill in uh, s- story points with exposition, but they, he never had anything to say. Like he used a lot of words to say nothing. Um, but he's like, Jake, this is your plan. Okay, tell me the plan. Well, uh, but it's your plan. Let's let's just move <laughs> on to the next scene. Oh, okay, I guess that's what we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept wondering. At some point, say something. Come on. Uh, but you had him, Tony Ja, who, I mean... In terms of martial arts and choreography, Tony Jaw is amazing to watch. Um, and he kind of like Nick Cage just sort of was only in like 20 minutes of the movie. He like shows up, he has a incredible fight scene and then he's gone. Uh, and then he like, that's all he was there for is it, it. That was another thing is there was a lot of, well, we've got this great choreography or an interesting idea. We're going to film that, but we have nothing to make it make any sense. And there's no purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. Like the, the first person camera. Oh yeah. That my wife was very irritated by the first person camera because well, it was, it was so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. There, there was one thing that I did appreciate. There was moments where it went into first person and you're like, Oh, okay, this is different. But then it stopped being first person and like Jake would run past the camera again. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you were like, oh, okay, that was weird. Wait, were we watching Jake just a second ago? Or are we watching somebody else? Like, did the person fall down? And now we're like, it, it just, it took me out of the movie. And I get what they were going for with that, but it didn't yeah. work. 
and they only did it for i'm gonna say like just at the beginning right i don't i don't think yeah, they ever went just back the, to it after the army scene no and that's where all right so i oftentimes find myself defending michael bay as a director not because i think his films are great but i think as a visual director someone like michael bay is very good at his craft and sure and when he's making something an action sequence a set piece something like that he's always been very good at the geography of it and the way he shoots things and the way he works with his his dp and everybody to make things look visually interesting and i think that what happens is you get some directors who have this cool idea of something that to try but there's no purpose behind tr putting it in the movie as part of the film itself it's just kind of a neat idea in a vacuum the the handheld camera long takes that they were doing for a lot of that uh that early sequence where tony jaw shows up to rescue jake to get him out of mm -hmm. the army camp look visually in a vacuum look pretty cool because it's it's very um frenetic it's very energetic you're right inside the fight uh they're long takes but they're they're not too in tight they're not too much like born supremacy where in that era where everything was in close shaky cam and you couldn't see anything they're they're handheld so they're a little bit shaky but in like a, the sense of somebody following the action moving around the problem with it was it didn't fit the tone of anything else that was going on like you said it takes you out of what you're watching because it all of a sudden shifts to this thing and there's no rhyme or reason for it and then then it goes into the first person view and like you said are you now are we is it jake or is it a different person because at one point it almost looked like jake set the camera down and ran around from behind it like i got yeah. that feel and it's just very odd and they went in and out of it a couple of times too which is weird like in a vacuum i like the idea of the first person uh was it um i think it was hardcore henry was the movie that mm -hmm. uh got made where it was all first person there was that was my favorite sequence in the doom movie with the rock and um carl urban was when they went first person video game style on that but those like there was reasons behind those narratively the the first person thing in doom it's a video game movie kind of doing right. that made sense for this what the material yeah, this just answers. felt like yeah and this just felt like oh this is kind of a cool idea let's try it out and then just forget about it and like we're not going to shoot another fight anything like that which you can do you don't want to have all of your your set pieces be shot the same but like they never went back to anything similar to that at all and it was very it was very odd um and it's a bummer because i think that if you if you set it up properly i think it could have been a really uh a more compelling uh sequence than just like oh it kind of looks cool they also unfortunately because of the lower budget um the cg is very evident in a lot of the movie oh my uh, god the cg like at first you know what at first i was really impressed because they had the they had this the comic book transitions where they went the panels right mm -hmm. and then when when jake was attacking somebody like i saw blood and the blood looked yep. totally wrong and my oh, yeah. wife and i both landed on oh it's supposed to be comic book blood i wonder if it's a comic book well, I don't know if it's a comic book, but no, it was just bad special effects. <laughs> no, and, and where it got worse was the dust. There was so much CGI dust in this movie 
Like mm-hmm. there were times where he would hit somebody in the chest and you would see this puff of fake dust come off of them. Like he, and it just, uh, it, it takes you out of the moment because now you're focusing on that, the bad CG bullet holes on the wall where, mm-hmm. you know, it's an action movie. So of course nobody can hit anything with a weapon, even though Tony jaw runs off of a wall, jumps down into a uh, enclosed space with four guys with automatic rifles we don't see any of the action, and then we just see him th- uh, come flying out the door. So yep. there's your your stormtrooper aim right there. <laughs> they couldn't hit. Yeah, absolutely. They couldn't hit him in a box. Um, but yeah, and like plot hole wise, what was with the um, army sergeant captain guy? You know who I'm talking about? He was, uh, was played by Rick Yoon. Uh, captain me. Sand. He was the one. We don't see him for the first part of the movie. Like there's a, there's supposed to be a shot. I think it's meant to set him up as like nefarious in some way where you see his silver plated pearl handled pistol on a table. And then later on, he's got that out when they, one of their treks out into the jungle, he ends up uh, getting in a one-on-one with the alien when the alien shows up. Right. And the movie forgets about him for like 45 minutes and he shows up for one more scene basically tell jake go get him buddy or something i didn't i couldn't figure out what his character was supposed to be because he he's antagonistic towards jake then he tries to fight the alien we assume he gets killed with all the other men but no he somehow manages to survive and he's just putting like tree sap on his chest wound or something yeah i i think i completely (laughs) forgot that character because none of this sounds familiar to me. I, I, I got it. Like, I had more fun taking notes than I did watching the movie. Like, I, it's like, I wrote down the opening credits are really long, but at least the movie's short. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I must have missed Captain Sand. I remember, like, the intel, the army intel lady was, like, he was the one that she reported to, right? Yes, or or or, it, or they were both from different like they were like equal, and there was somebody yeah, that was I think, above them, and she acted like she was in charge, and he kind of wanted to be in charge. Is that the guy you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. what I'm talking about. He just like that was a character. There was a bunch of characters like that. The army intelligence uh, lady, who I guess Myra was her character's name. Um, mm-hmm. She was it was weird. She was so antagonistic towards Jake to start. And then all of a sudden there's a scene where she just like, no, I believe him. And I'm going right. to take him outside and let him go for a walk. Like, wait, wait, what, why you were ready to give him like truth serum and, you know, hook him up to a car battery. And now you're going to take him out for a walk. I didn't yeah. get that. And then she, I guess dies. I'm not yeah, sure. I'm not sure. Like she, she has a run in with the alien and then she like, I think she gives something to Jake and is like, keep going or something. And then we, we never see her die because I it's, guess she's not important enough. Yeah. When, when he falls, when they're running through the woods, they come out of one of the uh, animated transitions and he's just running through the woods and like falls in that hole. And it's where he meets Nick Cage, I think. Yeah. I remember yeah. correctly. But she's up top. And yeah, like the alien shows up. I think we see her get hit by one of his little shuriken. 
little throwing star things or something. Which, but that's it. Then she's gone. Also looked awful. Those things looked oh, really yeah, bad. Were, <laughs> those were bad. And it felt like they used the same animation for them several times in the movie. Yeah, and they did the same thing with sound effects where they just kept using the same sound effects over mm -hmm. and over and over again, like the bad Kung Fu movie. You know, when you when you move your arm and it goes, you know, like that oh, yeah. sound effect over and over through the entire movie. They did use a Wilhelm scream, which I love. They did. Yep. I love that. Um, oh, you know what this you know what this made me think of when I was watching it? So old Hong Kong Kung Fu films when they would get an English dub. Um, I was watching uh, a couple of different documentaries mentioned this, but the people that would do the dubbing for them um, for like the Shaw brothers or golden harvest or whatever, they would have people doing English dubs, but they didn't really have a script. They just sort of had an idea of what the movie was supposed to be. And they would ad lib all of that so dubbing. MST three K basically <laughs> they would sit there and watch the movie and ad lib lines. And that was how they came up with whatever for the dubs. So I love it. kind of makes sense why so many of those dubbed films just like they, they make no sense because the people watching them didn't speak the language and were just like recording things that would ma somewhat match the, the, the timing of whatever mm -hmm. they were saying in the film. That's what the writing felt like to me in terms of dialogue. It felt like they were just ad libbing everything they said at any point and none of it mattered. None of it made any sense. They would start talking about radiation and yellow cake right which is a yellow uh, cake uranium but then she's talking about plutonium over here like nobody ever they didn't have somebody on set like yeah we have a script with with lines no it was just you know what say whatever you want no one's gonna care uh because we're it's been two minutes of runtime we need another action sequence right i agree with which uh <laughs> which also you know again good action sequences the geography of the the scene you can kind of make sense like in a good action sequence, you should be able to kind of, I can anyway, um, in my mind's eye, sort of look at like a top-down map view of the scene and sort of know where things are. Um, yeah. And when you get a poorly staged action sequence, you have no idea where anybody is. And that sequence, after Tony Jaw rescues him, and there's that whole long fight, and then they walk out in the field, and the rest of the crew like stands up from the tall grass, it's just like, hey, Jake, how you doing? And Jake has no clue who any of them are. You know, they had that scene that went on for two minutes. And it's like, well, now we need another fight. And so then they have the one on the road where the army kind of ambushes them. And In that the one cleanest was, Jeeps possible. Yes. <laughs> brand new Jeeps. Um, but that was one that had the problem of scale, right? Because they pull up and they're like 20 feet apart, maybe 15 feet apart. The Jeeps are. And then throughout the entire fight sequence, they're like a football field's worth of space. And you've got three separate kind of skirmishes going on at any one time that you're watching. It's like, how mm -hmm. much how much room do these people have? Like, I just kept getting taken out of stuff because I'm like, oh, okay, now we're going to go over to fight D uh, and, and watch this fight go on for a couple of minutes. And now we got to switch back to fight B because we got to know what happens to Frank Grillo, who was just there to say Jake over and over and have one fight. Um, is, has he been in other things? Because I only like when I saw him, I pulled out my my phone and I wrote down Rumlo, and I have never <laughs> seen him in anything else. That's pretty much what he's known for. I, he's done he's done other stuff. Um, he was in uh, the 
there was a movie that came out the same year as this boss level that he was in, um, which is a made for Netflix, I think, a Netflix original that's supposed to actually be pretty good. Um, oh, okay. Kind of B movie, you know, B action movie. He's done stuff like uh, worked with Liam Neeson in The Gray. He's done one of the Purge sequels. Um, he's done some some uh, voice work in DC animated stuff. Um, but the Rumlow, Brock Rumlow is his biggest uh, okay. by far kind of most known but yeah it's like he was a name to to put on there with uh with tony jaw and nicholas cage but he doesn't do anything he doesn't get anything to do same thing with like uh juju chan who plays the character her name is carmen again a name that's never spoken in the movie and is she the one with the blonde hair or the one with the dark hair pulled back no she's the one with the blonde hair the dark hair that is pulled back gets like the most uh, the most focus on her death, and yet that character had n- was nowhere else in the movie. Yeah, my wife and I were so confused. We're like, <laughs> we had to rewind it because we were watching, and I was like, "Wait a second, where where'd that person just? Come? Didn't they just die? What's happening here?" And my <laughs> wife says, "No, where's the blonde lady?" And I was like, "Wait a second. And, and so we had to rewind it, and then we're like, "Oh, okay, it's, t- it's different people, but we never saw that person before in the show." And no, she had and like a hood on, so you, I don't think you could see. I, I can't remember exactly, but I think she had like her hood up, so you couldn't see her hair. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was Something weird. Like that. That's a weird yeah. movie. <laughs> it, it was. Like Juju Chan as Carmen, she's the love interest. But again, you're dealing with a character who has amnesia, so he doesn't know who she is at all. And the movie mm-hmm. doesn't, uh, does nothing to like help his amnesia at any point. It's just sort of a convenient, let him be a blank slate type of thing yeah it, you know it would have been better if he was started to fall for uh army intelligence lady yeah and something. then carmen shows up and she's like what are you doing you know you're supposed to you know you're my guy and that would right. have been a more interesting dynamic and it would have made it so that they didn't have to lean on the poorly chore poor, uh, not poorly choreographed but poorly shot um uh action sequences yeah, I mean, but that that would require character development and a writing process, uh, which they didn't have right. time for that. They only had five weeks no. to shoot this movie. Um, and poor Jake gets the most head trauma of like, he, how did he survive the opening? That's what I want to know. Because he jumps when he off was that in cliff. the water. Well, yeah, because he jumps off that cliff, hits the water, and then hits a rock. Oh, that's right, I forgot. Because my note was. Oh, well, he's dead. You know, I thought right. it was just like some rando character to start the movie off and then we'd meet our actual protagonist after the opening credits. But no, it was him. <laughs> it was Jake, even though he clocked his head. like, And then he gets hit in the head a couple more times because somebody, I think it's um, Captain Sands, knocks him out and then wakes him up. And that was another thing is, all right, I don't, you know, be sci-fi movies, plot holes, that's one thing. At least try put in the t- the most token of efforts to to uh, stick to some sort of internal logic in your movie. And this one didn't even try that. Like when they're walking along and Nick Cage is giving them the background of sort of how where everything came from, and they they mention at that point they say, um, you know, uh, we have to do this before sundown. And he's like, well, what happens after sundown? Everyone dies. Right. The alien doesn't get his his fight 
and he starts killing everything. And then right. he immediately gets knocked unconscious and wakes up and it's dark. So it's after sundown. So why is the alien doing any of what he does for the rest of the movie? He should have just been on a scorched earth rampage at that point. Um, yeah, I didn't even catch my that. first thought. I'm like, oh, it's dark. How is it? Why isn't the alien just killing everything? Um, so, uh, and then there was a flashback and flashback. Nicholas cage didn't look like Nicholas cage. It looked, it was a, it was a completely different dude. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? Was that supposed to be Nick cage? I think so. Um, it's hard to say because at one point Nick cage tells him, uh, when they're sitting around that campfire that, uh, you know, he has to do this thing and the stories will be told for generations, just like with me six years ago. Right. I was like six years ago. <laughs> what? And he, well, and he also says, I'm you from the, or he doesn't say I'm you from the future, but he says, he says something about for a moment, I thought that he was Jake from the future. Like time travel was part of it because he said something that sounded like that. But then it I'm was you or I'm different. what you're going to become or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Now see, that would have been a cool twist to have in there. And yeah. Better than time loop and better than, you know, Darth Vadering him. Yeah. Better, better than, Oh yeah. He was your dad. It's like, well, he's not a very good dad. Cause he just watched yeah. his kid jump off a cliff. And then he just picked him up out of the water and said, here, you stitch him up. I got to go back to my uh, hermit cave and sit in my favorite chair. Right. <laughs> and just wait for my son to show up. And I'm going to be completely cryptic in everything I say to him even though he could have easily helped him regain his memory. <laughs> like, just or so much maybe, maybe given him some insight into what's actually happening so that, so that Jake understands, Oh, okay. We, we better get on the ball with this. Yeah. And by, by extension, us as an audience knows what the hell's going on because mm -hmm. they apparently the, they have to fight the alien and you can't run away from the fight. Right. But you're going to die from the fight. However, Nick Cage got out of fighting somehow or survived. Yeah. Did Nick Cage kill the alien? Is it a different alien every six years? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We're never told. We're never given any indication. And he even tells, well, it must not be because Cage says he begged for his life. And the, the alien who was called Brax, um, oh, right. which... Every time they said Brax, all I could think of was Brack from Space Ghost and made it a little bit funnier. But um, he says something to the effect of like the alien thought that he was crazy, so he spared him. But again, it's Nick right. Cage being as subdued as possible. It's not you could go crazier, Nick, is what I'm saying. But mm -hmm. um, then he tells him like, no, we're going to have to kill it you know, like, or you could just kill him. Like, that's another option. You could just kill the alien. You could kill Brax and, and be done with everything. And it's like, wow, nobody ever thought of that before. Right. <laughs> Why didn't you do um, that, Nick Cage? Yeah. If you're crazy, you could have caught him off Thank guard. Thanks for nothing, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I wonder how long this has been going on for. Like, we don't really have a feel for the timeline. It's It seems like it's present day with the army, but the army obviously this was an army in terms of U S army in terms of like they're wearing camo. Right. Right. Cause it didn't look <laughs> anything like that. Um, but like, we don't have a uh, sense of like what year it is when this is happening. How long has it been going on? Does anyone else in the world know? Like 
you think if it's happening was, every six years. You'd think so, especially with as close as that comet was. Because that yeah. comet in the sky was gigantic. That thing was like you could reach out and touch it. And yeah. It was closer than uh, the International Space Station. <laughs> right. And so my wife was looking at her phone at the very beginning. And so she didn't see the opening moment where you can see the comet flying mm. past and there's like a satellite there. Yeah. And then there's people. And then Jake is like running through the woods and he's got the shurikens or whatever coming after him. It reminded me of like the things from Hellraiser. Um, yeah, a little bit. But like he's got those things chasing him down in the woods and then he gets picked up on a boat or whatever. And then suddenly it's like modern day with the army. And she's like, what the hell is happening here? Is this <laughs> when when is this happening? I was like, oh, well, this is modern day that we saw that at the beginning. And so like she missed that. Oh, okay. But if so like if you didn't see the satellite in space between Earth and the comet, you wouldn't have known for the first ten minutes that no, this not is really. uh, that this is was modern day, and so it was very weird. It was. I also like to, and I noticed this uh, the first shot with the comet. It almost feels like the comet comes into frame and like halts for a second, and then decides to move forward, like it's sentient. <laughs> and if you if you ever do watch this again check for that right at the beginning it, it looks like the comic kind of comes into frame and sort of stalls and it's like all right now i'm gonna make my move and then moves in towards earth it was very strange um but the effects budget you know we, you gave five million to nick cage they didn't have an effects budget at that point so right can only do so much um and yet for all this kind of slagging off on the movie that we're doing I had a good time with it. It was a goofy, silly, weird movie. That yeah, absolutely, I, I, I there were points I actually enjoyed, even though it was objectively bad. Yes, the choreography was good. The fighting, like when you put Tony John in your movie, you're going to get some good stuff because the guy just he he can't do bad. Um, all of that, the the set pieces were fine. There was just nothing to string them together. What they tried to use was just sort of. There was also the weird thing in the forest scene when Brax attacks them that all of a sudden we got like kept cutting between three or four different characters that had the camera rig where the camera is mounted to their shoulders and chest and then pointed straight at their face. And so oh, yeah. on like a gimbal. So wherever they move, you know, it's just the background moving and their head is like perfectly still. And they did that. And yeah, it was it's like, so, yeah. And it was just so out of nowhere that happened kind of like the first person thing where it was like somebody thought, Oh, this would be a cool idea, but then there's nothing setting you up for it. It happens and it's over with so quickly and they just kind of forget about it. Um, it was really weird. And it again, took me out of that moment because it just felt so different from the rest of the movie. That, yeah, uh, it, that, that was a really weird choice. I, I, I almost feel like they could have combined the first person move with that weird, um, almost reverse shot yeah. um almost almost split screen or or have one person moving towards them in first person and then like they fight for a second and you have it switch to the yeah. other person with the with the camera on a gimbal on their chest it was it was just a lot of weird choices like the like they sat down and they said what are some cool things that we can do that it would be interesting camera work and they did that, but they didn't think of good reasons why. 
it's like when mm-hmm. it's like when you watch a, U, a YouTube video and they put like one of those crazy transitions every 15 seconds or when a student makes a PowerPoint and the PowerPoint has 4,000 animations per, per slide in it. It's just distracting. Yeah. Um, I was reminded of the second ghostwriter film, um, spirit of vengeance, because there was a lot of that in there where, uh, it was, um, it was two directors. I think they're Taylor and Neville Dean. I think are their last names, but they had some really cool ideas of like ways to shoot action sequences and stuff like that and getting the camera in real close and, and all that kind of stuff, but there was no reason for it. And so it, that was a arguably better version of kind of what this movie was trying to do. At least it's story sort of held together. (laughs) It's not good. uh, But (laughs) but it makes a lot more sense than this. And I love high concept kind of mid to low budget sci-fi movies. Um, it's something that even if they're mostly direct to video, direct to streaming services. Now uh, we used to get some of them in theaters, like no escape is the one that um, comes to mind because it was one I saw recently for the first time where that was a mid nineties kind of action sci-fi movie with sort of a middle budget. It's got Ray Liotta in it. And, uh, and, it's not a great movie, but it's a fun action piece and you can have fun with these, but even that has a story that makes sense all the way through. And for a $25 million movie, maybe spend a little bit more time writing out and at least thread your story together. It doesn't have to be great, but give us something that makes sense from, from kind of action set piece to action set piece. Cause mm-hmm. that's what like Jackie Chan made a career doing that. None of his movies are going to win any writing awards, but at least the story sort of made sense going through. There was a narrative there that tied together the set pieces. Yeah. Um, and it just felt like, think this... uh, go ahead. I just, it just felt like, like ad libbing dialogue. Uh, and then we're like, well, they're, they're just figuring, well, we'll fix it in post. We'll edit it together. It'll be fine. No one will care. And I just, <laughs> yeah. do you think, I mean, nothing against Nick Cage, because I, I love Nicolas Cage. But do you think mm-hmm. he brought anything to this movie at all? Like, if they put some other actor in that in that role, does this movie change a, a, a little? That's tough, because he has, like, a weird presence that just is unique to him. However, mm-hmm. I can think of probably a half dozen different people off the top of my head that you could have inserted into the role that he played here. And the movie doesn't change at all. It's not any better or any worse. Like you mentioned Liam Neeson, Harrison Ford. We talked Bruce Willis. You could put, um, you know, there's there's a whole lot of that sort of actor, uh, those kinds of people, even like um, I think of Scott Adkins. He's not old enough yet to do that, but he's getting there. But like a, a Keanu Reeves is somebody who you could have plopped into that and he could have just shown up for a couple of days. He, it's going to be different. Like all of these people are going to make something different about it. Um, yeah. But well, what I mean I is don't, I don't think get it's rid of the big names. Worse. Get rid of the big names. Do you think like, cause the rest of the film, other than like the people who you, you mentioned, like that are names that people know, mm-hmm. like the, the main guy, Jake, like, 
you get a guy like him. Nobody friggin' knows who that guy is. You put them, uh, you put somebody like that, just an older person, in the Nick Cage role. Does it change I, it? Because that that didn't. I didn't feel like we got anything out of Nicolas Cage in this movie. <laughs> we didn't. However, he got. I mean, he got us to watch it. His name That's being true. on the bill is what got us to watch this movie. So I think that. With that being said, if you take it away and you just make it random person playing that character, the movie itself in a vacuum, no different. It really isn't. But I'm not watching it probably because I don't care because I have no like nothing about that draws me in. Whereas I I need something to hook me. Um, mm-hmm. And like him being in the movie does that, you know, it. It, it's tough though. It, it's tough because I have watched, I think it's because it's not a, it's not based on a property I'm familiar with. So would I have stumbled across it at some point? It's like a movie party with some friends and somebody's like, Hey, there's this weird movie from 2020. Let's check it out. Maybe, but it being Nick cage in it instantly gets you. All right. Well, at least I'm curious to see what is he going to do? And then he doesn't do much of anything. Uh, and then yeah, I just wonder if the movie would have been better if they didn't spend a fifth of their budget on Nicolas Cage and then they were able to, I don't know, polish up the script more or, you know, come up with uh, scenes that makes make a little bit more sense or fix the CGI or, or instead of using CGI, use squibs for for some of the some of the special effects like all of that stuff had to be cut back because they didn't have the money obvious like it's clear that they didn't have the money yeah because they gave a fifth of their budget to nicholas cage <laughs> nothing <sighs> against nicholas cage for that though like mm-hmm. get 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 the dollars i'd done the same thing if i were famous and you know one of the things too when i was watching the movie is one of the as the studio uh names come up at the beginning you know you always see those uh, mm-hmm. One of them was such and such investments corporation. And I was like, Oh, that's not a good sign. Like, <laughs> that doesn't instill a lot in me when I see that's just like too funny. Something investments. Um, I, th- you, you have a good, you make a good point and I don't think it's, I don't think you're wrong either, but I do think they wanted that name recognition to sort of get their foot in the door. But I think that, when it comes down to it, it's it's the writer, and in this case, producer, director, writer is one person. So right. it's a passion project for this guy, and for that to be so poorly written tells me he needs to collaborate with somebody else and take some of that money and funnel it into writing to make something a little bit better. So you're kind of right there. Um, so it's kind of it's you it's know like, what's funny it's it's a six of one half a dozen of the other. Do you? Do you make the yeah. writing and everything a little bit better and try to put out a better quality product? Or do you take some of that in hopes that you can do good enough, but also have the name recognition to get more people to see your thing? Because, you know, there's there's so many layers of bad movies, right? Of like objectively just bad movies. There's so many different kinds. This falls into the category for me of the people really wanted it to be a decent movie they were putting in uh there was there was desire to have it well made um 
they just didn't have it. They didn't have enough. Like they, they didn't have enough money. They didn't have enough experience, whatever it is. It, this isn't a, like for me, it's so much worse when I watch movies that are trying to be uh, bad movies. Sort of okay. your, like Sharknados or um, a lot of yeah, the, yeah. the the Asylum movies uh, for me are like, I watch them, I see them with friends, but they're not something that I seek out because it's not trying to make like a good movie. They're trying to either cash in on name recognition of another property, aka <laughs> Transmorphers. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. um, I almost picked that up at the stupid blockbuster 400 times. <laughs> oh, trans. Oh, that's disappointing. Like uh, I watched a movie recently because um, you when you got done watching this, I loved your post on I think it was threads where you said I just watched the worst movie I've ever seen and I blame Travis. It's like, That's fair. <laughs> and when I said I watched something worse, I'm not going to give away the title because it is what it's going to be our next episode of gore. But the movie we watched for that makes this look so much better. In part because that was trying to fill that camp role and camp is camp is a tough thing to do well when it's done well it's like parody parody mm-hmm. and camp and sort of that kind of thing when it's done well you get really good stuff hot fuzz is great parody um you know stuff that john waters has done is good camp um i've seen good campy things uh campy um horror movies like some of the friday the 13th sequels leaned into the campiness um right. jason x being one you know they just leaned into the ridiculousness of Jason Voorhees in space. Like, cool, go for it. And when it's when it's crafted well, can be fun. But when it's not, or when it's just sort of lazy, um, that's what gets me. This didn't feel lazy so much as inept. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I feel like when watching this, I feel like everybody was doing their absolute best. Mm-hmm. Nobody was phoning it in they just aren't at the level or didn't yeah. have the time to do it. Like, you know, you, earlier you said in the in the universe, if it's sundown, we're all dead. And then it's nighttime. The way that I look at that, I almost feel like they're, they're like, they just couldn't get the shots done fast enough. And yeah. it was their last day. And they were like, <laughs> all right, we got to do night. We got to do night shoots, guys. Sorry. So then they did them. And then in post, they're like, Oh no, it's supposed to be daytime still. <laughs> In fact, I would even say it's probably just as likely that they shot all of that nighttime stuff and then were shooting that scene and threw that line in there about making sure they get it done before yeah. sundown, not thinking about we've already shot that part of the movie and it's at night and whatever, we'll just deal with it because then like the next scene, it'll be hazy sunset. Sure. Why not? We'll just go with that. Like, yeah, I just I I ran into a, this exact issue earlier today. I was shooting an ad for one of my YouTube videos. And a lot of times I do these ads where I talk to myself. So like mm. I'll be sitting here having a conversation with another version of myself, which mm-hmm. is very hard to do because you, you know, you got to know what you're going to say ahead of time. And I had I had ad libbed. Right. OK. Yeah. Uh, off the script. And so when I was doing the thing and then. When I was editing it together, I was like, oh, now this doesn't make sense because I didn't say the thing <laughs> that I was supposed to say. Uh, and so then I had to reshoot the whole thing um, because I was because I was being lazy or because I thought of something in the moment and didn't think think it through. 
that that is exactly what it seems like you're saying where they're like it's got to be by sunset <laughs> yeah there there felt like a lot of that and you hear like rewrites and ad-libbing and coming up with stuff on set happens a lot but there's usually somebody who has the job of script supervisor who's like, okay, mm -hmm. but keep in mind, this is in the script or we've already shot this, you know, we need to, we might need to, you know, they probably didn't have time to do reshoots for this movie. Um, they no, certainly didn't have any budget so. to do reshoots. And so, yeah, when you're, when you're doing a lot of ad libbing and a lot of making it up on the fly, uh, you run into plot holes. That's just going mm -hmm. to happen. And unless you're the you know Deadpool movie and you can just wink at the camera and say, ha ha, what a funny, lazy piece of writing that was, um, you know, you're, you're going to get that. And it's fine. Like, end of the day, I don't mourn the time I spent watching jujitsu because like you said, it was short. It's an hour and 40 minutes. And it had some visual stuff that I thought was at least mildly compelling. I mean, I, they tried some things. And that's another thing, too, that kind of leads me to that sort of ineptitude over laziness is they were trying to do some mm -hmm. stuff. They were trying to make some compelling looking things. They just, they started off without much of a script. It feels like, and that put them behind the eight ball in terms of making something that I think could be a cult class. Like this could have been a cult classic type film in a few years. It could have developed that kind of a following, but I don't think, especially with Nick cage. Yeah. I don't know that this is going to be one of those that does. I think this is going to be, this isn't going to be the Nick cage movie that uh that gets people going it's going to be more like um what was he made uh drive angry i think was one that like nobody talks about or there was next or knowing there's a bunch of those that kind of all happened in a in a few years where they're just sort of forgotten this feels like one that will kind of get forgotten a little bit i feel like um in, because there's just other stuff around it that's going to be better whether it's unbearable weight of massive talent um, the, uh, Renfield, um, I'm curious to see the, uh, what's the one, uh, sympathy for the devil. That's, uh, I guess just released or something. Um, even, uh, well, I mentioned unbearable weight. Uh, that was great, by the way, if you haven't seen that, I haven't, that's, that's absolutely worth watching. Um, cause he's playing a fictionalized version of himself. Right. And he's had, yeah, I want to see it. It's just, I haven't gotten to yet, but yeah, it's, it's definitely on my list. Um, but like he's, you know, he's done a lot and he does. The other thing with cage is he does such varied stuff. He's never, he doesn't pigeonhole himself into doing one thing or one type of thing. He'll do crazy whacked out stuff like Mandy or prisoners of the Ghostland or Willie's wonderland. And then he'll turn around and do pig, which is a completely different movie or, a Western like the old way or the one that I just heard of. I didn't even know about this movie until um, just recently called army of one that he made in 2016. Uh, I just have to read you the IMDb blurb on this one because it's what hooked me. All right. Uh, after a personal visit by God himself, the eccentric construction worker, Gary Faulkner takes the decision to embark on an adventure into the badlands of Pakistan to bring Al-Qaeda's leader Osama bin Laden to justice. <laughs> if that's not enough to, to pique your interest, I don't know what to tell you. Like, Also, Russell Brand plays And, and here's the twist. Nicolas Cage plays bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he's got like a, he's got long blonde hair and a, and a blonde okay. beard. 
it's it just looks so so weird on him but i saw this and i'm like well at some point i have to watch this movie it could be it could be as bad as jujitsu i really don't care like he's he's just he's willing to do weird stuff like that but then he'll turn around like pig if you haven't seen pig that's a really good movie and it's a really well put together movie and an amazing performance by him that's very different from other stuff that he's done because he's not just being like a crazy person so it's it's one of those where i just love that's the reason that i like to do a yearly celebration of him is like it's just so varied there's so much out there he can do something like uh ghost rider where he's effectively trying to make himself into a cartoon character in that movie right. and then he'll turn around and do lord of war and lord of war is a really good kind of character piece um that he he is in and his performance is good so it's just the the ups and downs the ebbs and flows of nick cage make for it's always interesting um except when he doesn't do much like this movie <laughs> well i i mean like we just spent the last hour complaining about it but i like my wife and i we they weren't trying to make us laugh but we were laughing when we were mm -hmm. watching this movie. So we still enjoyed ourselves, even though it is very terrible as far as movies go. But there were there was some stuff that I liked. Do we have time to, to talk about the things there? Just list off a couple of things that I really oh, liked yeah. about it. Absolutely. Okay. So this line that I laughed so hard and I had to write it down. I've got a license to kill you. No expiration date. Yeah, that is so stupid, but I absolutely love that line. Um, I don't remember why I wrote this down, but I wrote, oh, my God, the double bird. So at some point, somebody gives somebody the double bird. And yes. I don't remember what it was, but I had to write it down because I loved that. Um, I don't remember either, but I'm, I'm, I'm remembering a double bird. I yeah. just can't remember who did it. It was very funny in the moment. Like it, it, it almost feels like it was one of those improv things. And they were like, yeah, we're keeping that. That's good stuff. <laughs> um, and then the last thing is the the one person, I can't remember which which lady it was, but the lady that had the wrist bow where she would hold, like, first off, oh, yeah. why were all their weapons silver? Was that because like they didn't explain that? Uh, no, they didn't. Was Is that because it hurts the monster more or something? But her, her weapon was on her forearm there was a little tiny bow and she would pull back a little tiny arrow and let it go and i was like that was the kind of thing that i would have invented when i was a little kid mm -hmm. like this goes right back to what my wife said a 12 year old watched the predator <laughs> and said i can do that yes. and that's what this felt like and if you look if you come to it with that frame of reference you will probably have a good time but you will not think it's a good movie <laughs> <laughs> no, it, you won't think it's a good movie, but it can be fun and it's on Netflix. So there are worse ways to spend an hour and 40 minutes. Um, I loved her wrist uh, bow because she would put an arrow into that. And they had like all of those arrows. There were these little short arrows with like ornate tips to them. Mm -hmm. But she would put the arrow in there. She would pull it just back a little bit, like barely any tension on the on the string and let go. And that thing would go just miles like right. that arrow took off it was awesome i loved that so much no i <laughs> i'm i'm with you like it's it's silly and but it had these moments you get again tony jaw um in some really great kind of long take uh martial arts sequences 
Um, some attempts at interesting camera work. I just wish that it would have felt like it fit more into stuff. Uh, and we mentioned him at the beginning, but um, uh, name Eddie Steeples as Tex for the five oh, minutes right. he's on screen. He's funny. Um, you know, he like he's introduced with. I'm just eating some canned chili, Sarge. You want some? <laughs> Just eating some canned chili. Um, also, uh, there's a star. Sound. There's a Star Wars reference in the movie, which caught me off guard. Like it was one that I wrote down uh, because, again, it's just kind of out of nowhere. It's so we have this elaborate sequence where one of the Tony Josh shows up, rescues Jake. There's a whole fight. They take on basically everyone in the army. They get out of mm-hmm. there. And then two minutes later, we have another fight on the road with presumably the rest of the army. Um, that ends with everybody except Jake getting away and Jake being recaptured by the army, which also made no sense. Like we just spent 20 minutes of the movie getting him out of the camp and now he's back in it. And the first thing she asks him is, Who the hell were those Jedi Knights that just took out my entire unit? <laughs> And that was one right, of like, they're on. wearing robes. <laughs> Rewind that for a second. <laughs> Jedi Knights. Uh, so that killed me. Um, and uh, I had to get just a couple of Nick Cage isms because he's only in the movie for a few minutes, but he is, he is funny when he, because um, he, it's that trope of like the old hermit, the old wise man that, uh, you know, you meet on the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Um and he drops out in there and he, again, he's supposed to be crazy, right? We're supposed to, we're supposed to believe that he's just lost it. Um, and the worst thing he can do is stuff like, that's my favorite chair. You know, he sits him, he knocks him over and knocks him into his favorite chair or they're having a fight. And for whatever reason, Jake jumps on the piano to get away from him. Right. For, <laughs> for some reason, steps on a couple of things. And we just get a shot of Nick Cage looking disgusted and just says, get off my piano. They, they kept towing the line. They came right up to him getting to go like full cage. And he never quite went there. Um, but then he would say, I love stuff like. Yeah, I could eat. And she just brings him like a paper bag with something in it. Um, but my favorite one is he's sitting around. He's telling the story. Uh, I think he's sitting around the campfire and Jake just walks up and finds him here. And he starts talking about the killer whale because it's just the, it's the transition in this, uh, in this line that gets me. He's like a killer whale in the frozen waters of the Arctic with a seal. He fools with its head and then he kills it. It's horrible. Pull up a chair. <laughs> it's that end there. <laughs> it's horrible. You pull up a chair. <laughs> like, but not that's my the kind of stuff. Chair. No, no, not my favorite chair. But that's the kind of stuff that you get Nick Cage for, and they only had him for three days, so we didn't get enough of that. But still fun. Um, it, it It's worth, I think it's worth watching. Watch it with some friends. This is one of those, you know, you're hanging out watching a, a goofy movie. It's, it's, in terms of Nick Cage movies, it's like Vampire's Kiss. You know, it's, it's one of those types of movies. That's a better uh, movie. And I think even crazier, but like, that's the, that's the type of movie this is like, don't go into it with high expectations. You'll be fine. 
Yeah, I wrote because. down in my notes, the last thing that I wrote in my notes was, I've seen worse movies, but I can't think of any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I've definitely, that was, uh, my note was, yeah, that's not good. I mean, it's up there for worst I've seen, but it's not. It's not the worst. Um, I personally can't stand The Room. Like, I don't get the hype behind that. I know people that, that unironically enjoy that movie, and I don't get it. Uh, Tommy Wiseau... It, I've seen it in the theater in like the, you know, how certain movies you have to be in the right mindset for. It's like, if you see, if you're a Rocky horror picture show fan and you go to a midnight showing where the, the audience is interacting with it, it's a whole different experience. There's people that do that with the movie, the room. Uh, and I've been in that oh. situation and I still can't stand that movie. It's just boring and nothing, nothing happens in it. And it, that feels like complete ineptitude in filmmaking for me. Like nothing in that movie seems to make any sense. This at least feels like there were people that knew how to light scenes. Not all of them. Cause I didn't like the blue and green lighting they had in the army camp. I thought that looked not great, but they could at least light scenes, do camera work. Like there was some of that in, in this movie. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's a, it's a good entry into the, the annals of uh cage Palooza and, uh, and, and the stuff that we watched for this. So this is your second Nick Cage movie on this show. Would you say Pay the Ghost was a was a better? I mean, it's a better movie, but would you say it was a, a better experience watching that versus this? Or would <sighs> that is so? Mm, that is a tough question. I don't know because it is. You are right. It is a better movie. Pay the Ghost is a better movie, but. I think I'd, I had more fun watching this train wreck uh, than I did watching Pay the Ghost. Though I did think Pay the Ghost was a like it's a, just a better film. Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. Um, I think that Pay the Ghost is better. I would definitely watch it again, but there was something there was something about the the just like what in the world is going on here and what's going to happen next of this movie that made it a little bit more enjoyable. Because at some point, I'm I just would like, never okay. watch either of these, either, either of those movies again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I at some point in this movie was like, OK, just where are they going to go now? What weird thing is going to happen? Because none of it's made any sense. So how crazy are they going to go? And they kind of didn't. But this was I think this was the more enjoyable of the two movies for sure. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. So, yeah, that's that's jujitsu. Um, it's it's not good. But, you know, if you got nothing better to do on a Saturday night, check it out. You might you might have some fun with it. Um, now, you mentioned your YouTube, uh, you were doing a YouTube commercial, but your YouTube channel and kind of your videos on that. Let people know what that is and, and where they can find it. Uh, it's just Nerd Nest on YouTube. And it's basically just, you know, stuff about video game news and stuff like that. So uh, just uh, YouTube.com slash Nerd Nest. Yeah, and if you're into video game stuff, it's good content. Uh, a lot of Steam Deck um, content, which is always fun. Uh, have you been playing uh, Baldur's Gate 3 at all or or in on any of that? All day. I played it all day today. To, like yesterday, um, was I was, it was we were doing a family reunion, and so I was hanging out with my grandson all day. And then today was the first time that I actually got to sit down and play Baldur's Gate since the early access stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And I basically played it for like eight hours today. It's so friggin' good. It's such a good good game. And I saw, I think I saw you were playing it earlier because my mm-hmm. Discord told me that you were playing it too. Yeah. Um, I have I'm weird with games. I I have not been one to buy games brand new for several years because I just for the longest time I never had time to play. And I fe- I felt like if I bought a game brand new for sixty dollars and I couldn't, I couldn't dedicate any time to it. I wasn't, I was going to feel like I wasted my money where I could wait a little bit, maybe catch a game later on, or I didn't have a computer good enough to play it, whatever it was. But this was a game where I'm like, no, I'm going to make sure I can get this because I didn't play. I played maybe two days worth of the early access in the last couple of weeks, but I watched a lot of people playing the early access and I, I read a lot about it and I'm like, this is me. This is my game right here. And, uh, it came out, I, I grabbed it right away, and boy, I have been having fun with it. It is yeah, incredible. And it's one of those games where when thing, there's going to be many times where things don't go the direction that you think they're going to go. And when it happens, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel bad. Like nope. there was a moment where I was like, oh, um, I'm going to. I'm going to set up a choke point and these bad guys are going to come through the choke point and I'm going to set off an explosion with a fireball, right? And mm-hmm. I set it up and then it exploded and it killed two of my characters. Yeah. And I was like, oh boy, I've done that. Yeah. But, but, you know, I had a scroll of revivication, revivication or whatever it's called. And I brought mm-hmm. him back and I finished the fight and we won and it felt really, really good. And in other games, I feel like if that had happened, I'd have been like, I'm just going to reload my last save. You know, I'll yeah. just fix it like that. Yeah. But this game makes you feel like, okay, you know what? It's, it's going to be okay, even if things don't go the way that I think they're going to go. And playing through it, even though I played it in early access, um, playing through it now, completely different game. So oh, much yeah. better. I, so so much many people better. I've it's heard. It's really good. I've heard so many people saying, like, yeah, they changed so much from the early access and they added more stuff in. And the thing that I like is it's one of the first games that I can think of in a while where your choices actually matter to the story, but also to the game itself. Like it feels like an actual campaign in D and D sitting around a table where you do something. And, you know, I've, I've felt as both player or as DM, like, well, that didn't, that didn't happen the way it was supposed to. Or, you know, mm-hmm. you get set up for for a thing and then it just completely goes sideways on you. But also, I just feel like everything you do, whether it's, oh, I ran into this wrong spot, like I just ran in somewhere and oop, it's full of goblins and now you got to fight them. That happened to me. I, mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't paying attention. I went out a door and it was the entire goblin camp. And I was yeah, like, well, and then you're like, <sighs> you're crapping your pants, dive in and swim. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so Baldur's Gate 3 is super fun. Um, definitely worth worth checking out. If you're into RPGs at all, I think it's worth it. I can't wait to start playing some uh, multiplayer too. Mm-hmm, That's the absolutely. only thing I haven't done yet. But um, but yeah, Nerd Nest on YouTube. Definitely check it out. It's I love your content, Bill. I've, I've oh, been thanks, a fan man. for a while. And you put a lot into it. And that's that shows. Like the quality of the content is is great. So definitely check that out. Um, this show, if you like it, uh, I, I stream it live Sunday nights, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. Uh, we are in week two of Cajapalooza next week. JF Debose coming back. We're going to talk about Renfield. 
I finally get to watch Renfield. I, I have been, he, he got a hold of me like two weeks before the movie came out in theaters and said, Hey, I want to come on in August and talk about this movie. And he went and saw it opening night. And so I have had to sit here and not watch it for months. <laughs> oh man. It has just been driving me. So I get to watch it finally. Uh, I cannot wait. So that's next week. Um, the show comes out as a podcast on Wednesdays, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, you can, uh, or you can go to tvstravis.com is the easiest way because I don't know SEO. So searching for things with punctuation in it is always difficult. And I did that with the title of this show, like an idiot, but now I'm 200 episodes in, I can't change it. So, <laughs> um, but tvstravis.com has links to this other shows that I do. There's a Patreon for the show there. Um, link, link to it. There's patreon.com slash W Y H S. You can, uh, support this show for as little as a dollar an episode. There's monthly movie nights. Uh, we do kind of catching up on past movies that I've done for this show for patrons, um, stuff like that. So, uh, if any of that sounds interesting, check out tvstravis.com. Um, and, uh, Bill, this will be out on Wednesday. I will tag you in that. Um, and, uh, it's always a pleasure having you on. It's been great. We've been kind of trying to do this for a while, but you're a busy guy. So yeah, I know at one point we had talked about doing Slither, um, which I think we picked a better movie here. I don't know that you would have had as much fun with Slither. Um, yeah, and honestly, fun. the only reason I picked Slither was because somebody told me that it was a time travel movie. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. But I always ignored it because it. I feel like the movie poster made it look gross. And I was like, maybe it's, I'm not going to watch that. It's very gross. Um, okay. I will say I'm that. Glad I, I saw it in theaters. I yeah, I don't mind it, but it's it's right on the edge of kind of what I can handle. But it's also so over the top. That's kind of why I can do it. But mm -hmm. if you don't like gross, you wouldn't like Slither. So um, I think we're okay having it taken a while and we finally got around to, to doing something different. But always a pleasure having you on. Um, welcome back anytime. So we'll do this Thanks, again. Thanks, man. It sure. was a blast. Awesome. And until next week... And, uh, and Renfield, I cannot wait. It's been so long. Just remember to enjoy your movies. And this has been Wait You Haven't Seen. Uh, let's, let's be excellent to each other. you knew the goddamn language. Man, I thought I did too, man. That Burmese for Dummies is just not working out. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>